Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. As a mom, vegan of 20 years, and entrepreneur, I need a lot of energy, and I turn to Athletic Greens to help me out. Athletic Greens is part of the daily nutrition regimen for thousands of top performers, professional athletes, and health-conscious go-getters worldwide, including USA cycling and endurance athletes. So I knew I would trust them. It's developed from a complex blend of 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole foods-sourced ingredients. And it's a comprehensive all-in-one greens powder engineered to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet and support your body's nutritional needs across the four pillars of health, gut health, immune system, energy, and recovery. And these are all things that I'm super interested in. I put a scoop in my smoothie in the morning, and it feels amazing to know that I'm set up to feel my best and sustain my energy all day long. Try for yourself at athleticgreens.com slash yoga. That's athleticgreens.com slash lit yoga and get lit up. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter, and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I'm joined by Kristen Williams, my favorite physical therapist, senior lit teacher extraordinaire, and beautiful friend. Hello. Hello, Laura, and I'm with my favorite physical therapist, (laughs) fearless leader. Works out well, works out well. So Susan T. asked us, for you and Kristen, I would like to hear from you both. How do you feel like you move better now being older than you did when you were younger, or are there any ways that you feel that you're moving differently? I'll start. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely think that I'm just, and I've even seen this in my evolution from being my first few classes on lit daily till now doing all the teacher training, you know, really answering questions, demonstrating, um, as a physical therapist, I had a, a big step up over other people going through the lit training X number of years ago. Um, the anatomy knowledge was great, but I still wasn't moving with, with, I could, you know, I could move my body well, 
but I didn't have, I wasn't totally tuned into my core. Um, that wasn't my focus. I was just, I was just a runner. I'd never done yoga. And so, and I've really watched uh, somebody just reached out to me maybe three weeks ago and she was doing my sequencing 101 lab and she sent a little video clip of me when I used to, you know, inhale up, exhale, forward, fold. I would do this weird, like thrust of my ribs and, and I never felt it. And I remember seeing that going, what am I doing? And since then, I, I don't do it because, again, that's the beauty of watching yourself pr practice. You can see things that you can't feel in your body. So I am much more aware of where I am in space. Um, I've always been concerned with biomechanics by way of my peripheral joints, trying to keep them safe. But now I'm more focused on my proximal body. Um, I've always had good posture. I've always you know, really thought about ears over shoulders, but much less about my pelvis. So I think that I am just, I move better. I move, um, again, with more of an intelligence and I'm moving in much more ranges of motion. Just, I mean, lit daily alone. I mean, lit alone. Uh, I remember my husband, we were talking about, um, you know, why he loves it so much. He's an athlete. He played basketball, played uh, uh, football, baseball, come on, Kristen, basketball and baseball, and, you know, lifted weights. He ran with me, started lit, and, you know, it really lights up the entire body. And that was his explanation was, man, I am moving. Um, you could, he used to come down the stairs grunting. It was like, ah, ah, ah. he was like Frankenstein, you know, every step hurt for the first few, and then he would loosen up. After practicing lit for several months, he was like, yada, da, 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 getting up in the morning because we're moving in full ranges. We're getting those soft tissues lengthened and, and getting them prepared to lengthen against tension. So um, I just think I move better. Uh, I move more sustainably and just with more intelligence since starting lit, starting teaching lit teachers to teach lit. It's all been a growth that I'm, and I continue to grow. I continue to learn. Uh, I, that's why I love my sequencing lab calls because we just are sharing, sharing with teachers all over the world about, about movement and they, they turn into just these powwows, um, as opposed to me just telling my knowledge I'm learning from them. So it is such a great community that this online platform has allowed, uh, from, for my movement, um, as well as others. So that's my answer. How about you, Laura? Well, I love your answer and I agree with it a lot because I feel like I I even look back at some of my stuff from five years ago and there's things that I see that, you know, there's other people might not notice, but I, I feel like I have refined my movement um, and compared to like my early, early years, I, I'm just, I actually have, you know, I, I wake up and I feel great, you know, as sometimes when I was running a lot and doing some yoga and doing some spinning, I did have like kind of almost like a chronic soreness and it wasn't anything I noticed that was bad because I was healthy and young, but I look back and I think, you know, I wasn't as balanced. And I think that's really the key to aging well. And that's what I do notice is that making these refinements over the years has led to where I am now, where at 52, I do wake up and I, I feel great. You know, I don't feel like, uh, my back or my hip or, you know, anything that I did have some times when I was younger and I wasn't as refined in my movement. I wasn't as balanced in my movement. So I, I'm just like you, I'm grateful. I had a starting place. If I've always had good posture, I had 
the biomechanical awareness, but even with that, you know, I didn't have as great of a um, overall balance to my joint mobility, to my core strength. Yeah, I mean, core strength has changed tremendously. And I would say that is fundamental for feeling great now because I was doing a lot of things. I was moving a lot, but I don't think I was moving with that deep core engagement. And that's where I probably would feel sometimes like aches in my back or in my glutes or something. It would fade like like Tim, you know, as I got up and got moving. But that's a really good kind of measure. It's like, how do you feel when you get up in the morning? Shy of having like a, you know, a suboptimal mattress or something, if you feel like you get up and, and your body feels refreshed and good and not like tight, contracted, painful, achy, that's, that's a pretty good indication that you're, you're doing, um, the job to stay, you know, optimally balanced. And that, and I think that's what we're going for. And in terms of my movement, I was saying this to the teacher trainees, like, even though my practice looks quote unquote advanced, it's actually kind of, it feels easy to me. Like, it takes a lot for me now to really feel like exhausted or super sweaty or, and I really attribute that to that balance and efficiency because then you move through space and you aren't, you know, people are working a lot harder than I am because I'm just more efficient. I often say I'm not necessarily stronger than other people, but I'm just much more efficient. And I think that efficiency has really manifested to where I am now versus, you know, I don't think I know I wasn't as efficient when I was younger. Yep. Great question. Yeah, really good. Okay. T. Chiwi. Chiwi. Um, she's asking about what do you think of wheel on the wall where you walk the hands along the wall and drop down to touch the chest to the wall? So, yeah. So I think a lot of people are, um, and you're probably seeing that, you know, I, I think in some areas, I want to say of the world, there's still got a lot of this, um, kind of classical traditional practices. And that's one of them as a way of experiencing what a drop back would be. Um, so my answer to that is, I think it would be fine for a very small percentage of people. And I think it would not be good for a large percentage of people. And that, that the reason being is you're asking for, going back to this idea of balance, you're asking for a balanced extension of the spine. And what that means is all the segments are equally participating as best as possible to create this balanced extension. And so right from the get-go, most people are not in a neutral pelvis to establish that because the pelvis is the bowl, the spine comes out of that. And so if the pelvis is imbalanced, you're not going to, you're absolutely not going to get a symmetrical backbend. And that's what, what people do is they, they, in the effort to go back in space, they tip the pelvis and then that scrunches the low back. And then you walk down the wall and then you're really compressing into that low back more. So this is like, this takes an incredible amount of preparation and to what end, like what, what, like, why do we want to do that? I, I'm not really sure. I, I think it's like, again, something that's, tr- that's taught as an option for preparing your body for a drop back, which is smart. So you don't just go right back onto your hands, but, um, you're really relying on two feet on the ground. And then your spine is not supported as you walk your arms down PS getting into in range of shoulder flexion, which people don't often have either. So, um, I would say 
I always ask, why? Why would we do that? Um, is it that you want to experience wheel and you want to go down that way and get really into your wheel? I just think that I would stick to just being in wheel and really enjoying that because a lot of people, again, can't even get into wheel and with that uniform spinal extension. Uh, any comments on that? No, I was just kind of laughing because if you happen to be watching the the YouTube version of this, you would have seen my facial expression, which was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you were reading the question. I was like, you know, cringe because to your point, Laura, most people cannot do that safely. And even the people that can do it because of the way our spine is made, um, you know, so we were looking for the universal curve, but the, the reality is the thoracic spine is attached to the rib cage. It can only extend so much we get the most extension from our neck and our lumbar spine. And in a wheel period, if you don't have really good shoulder extension or flexion, excuse me, which means super open lats, super open, um, you know, armpits, axilla, um, really open low back connective tissue to get into that, to create more of a a balanced curve, it's going to go into your low back. And to be fair, a lot of, you know, gymnast prepar uh, preparation, I think of my, my daughter is a, is a high level cheerleader and part, and, I, and I've seen gymnasts do this where they are coming into a bridge and then pushing, trying to push the leg straight. So they're really, you know, trying to go into that and lengthen out the low back, which is just, it's a ton on an area that really, cannot extend that much. So you're going to go elsewhere. And for most people, it'll be in the shoulders and in that low back. Two areas that are in the shoulders, especially are, are very, very, because they're so mobile, they're susceptible, they're susceptible to injury. And then the low back, because it just takes the brunt of everything we do, hugely susceptible to injury. To, so the same, I feel the same way as you, Laura, to what end, you know, why are we doing this? Um, and I always just, you know, can you do it? A small percentage of people, sure, they can do it fine. Um, and uh, can they do it well? I would argue even smaller percentage of people. And should we do it is, again, I'm not here to tell you that you should or shouldn't do anything. We're grown-ass adults. That's what I always say. When I'm, talk when I'm teaching teachers, they're like, well, shouldn't we correct everything somebody does? And I'm like, lead by example. You're, people are grown adults. They can make their own decisions. So if you want to do that, that is your choice. Just educate them as to what the possible outcome is. So wheel in that approach, wheel period, but especially that approach where I think as you're walking down, you know, most people are going to be asking themselves to go into a deeper wheel than if you come from a supine position and press up because there's, you're just, you're walking down on purpose, I think, to get into a more bent up wheel. Um, and so again, to what, to what, to what end is it just because someone told you to do it or that's my question too. Yeah. And I, you know, again, I think like, we don't want to talk in a, um, inflammatory way, but you know, you can walk down into a wheel and not have enough shoulder flexion, but you can kind of, you can kind of fake it because you're kind of getting into the entry. You don't have to push against gravity like you do in regular wheel. So it's actually a lot harder to work it from the ground up, but it's also true. Like if you can't, if you don't have that range and the strength in that range, 
you'll just end up on, you know, like maybe balancing on your head. You won't be able to get all the way up. So those people, the last thing they should be doing is walking down into it and, and getting into it and then trying to access that range and strength in that range when they haven't been able to do it already against gravity. So again, it is a small percentage of people who might try it, but it always goes back to the why. It, it, and this is where yoga, I think, is um, where we want to be such positive, you know, mouthpieces for yoga that it is not a performative gymnastics, contortionist, in-range motion, um, bam, bam, bam type of movement practice. It's intentional. It's, it's paying attention. It's asking the why. It's, it's honoring our bodies and honoring that um, movement is like life. And we want to move with this fluidity and strength. And I think paying attention to transitions is way more important and impactful than getting into like really advanced quote unquote poses. But you know, that's me. I know that's <laughs> where I think our, our age does uh, impact this, this opinion. Yeah. Cause we're just not like, I'm just not going to do something that, that again, it's, I always look at, we, in lit, we always look at cost benefit. Like what is the benefit and what is the cost? And if there is some benefit, how can I get that benefit somewhere else in a safer and a more sustainable way. Because almost every pose that you might reap some benefit, it's like shoulder stand. People say, oh, that feels so great for my back. Well, you're stretching your back fascia, but let's do it in a much more impactful way that isn't going to, you know, scrunch your cervical spine, et cetera. And that's why we have things like the happy squat. You know, we're really opening, fulfilling that people like the feeling of opening up their hips in a wheel. Well, how else can you get that feeling, that craving, uh, satisfying. And, and maybe it's that you don't have to go into deep range to get it. You just have to actually stabilize the pelvis more. All right. Um, Nairi, our wonderful Nairi, this is a really beautiful question. Um, she was wondering if we could talk about this on the podcast. The topic is emotional trauma and how that affects our body. Um, her mom died last year and it's definitely changed how strong I am physically. And I know I'm coping okay. And apart from the sadness, I've had a really good year teaching and lots to be positive about. I'm listening to your brain podcast. I'm definitely more of, I can do this type person. I've always got through challenge and have a positive outlook, but it's more like something has physically changed. The first time I moved, I was like Bambi on ice and was, oh, where is it? Hold on. I had to screenshot this. Oh, and was completely shocked. I still love my practice. It's a year on and my strength's still a bit lost. That's the only way to describe it. Like I physically lost something and I've searched, but can't find it. I know I will. So I'm definitely not giving up. And I know this will be a brain nervous system thing. The body keeps the score, et cetera. You're super clever. So I know you'll probably have an idea. Um, and she thought this might be helpful because people, lots of people are going through things like recovery, uh, physically, emotionally, uh, grief and, and all that stuff. So, uh, First of all, Nairi, as we've messaged back and forth, I hear you, I feel you, and I know it. Un Unfortunately, I know it so well. Um, grief is, I say it's a motherfucker. I mean, it is, it, it is, it, it is a weight that you carry and it, you, you can put it down briefly, but then it, you have to pick it back up and it does change, but it also changes you. So I would say, just like you're doing, be really tender, be very, you know, caring for yourself. 
realize that the the physical weight of grief has made you feel weaker. And that is, um, that happens and it happens to so many. Uh, I, I don't even kind of know how I got through the first few months um, after my dad died. I, you know, I just don't know because I didn't want to get up. So I think it's really important to know our bodies are caring and reflecting our heart and our emotions. And I would just honor that. And, you know, when things come up, cry, um, breathe, get angry, all of the things that you need to, to part of the process. So I know for me, I was able to get back to my practice. My practice for me was my, my healing and my coming back to, you know, myself. But I, I do know that in that, um, and in other ways I've, I've carried that weight of, of my dad. Um, and you're still, you know, a year in, it's still super fresh. I'm three years in and it still feels like I, you know, I could cry at any minute about it. Um, our body does keep the score. So I think the best thing to do is know you will, you will feel stronger again. Um, as some of that heaviness that you're carrying is lightened. You know, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who lost a child and she's like, it's a, it's a package. It's a weight I can't ever put down. Um, so I, I think it does get lighter with time. Um, and then strengthening and fortifying your body will also ease the weight of the grief that I, that totally has been true for me. But just knowing that there are going to be harder days and not harder days. And I remember early on, probably about the stage you are now, maybe nine months in, I was visiting my home, my childhood home, and I just felt the loss so viscerally. And and like I had put out my mat and I just got in a child's pose and I just, I had to just be there for like 20 minutes. And then I moved and I, but it felt like a little bit of that exhaustion you're talking about. I still moved a little bit. I just didn't move, you know, I moved to the edges of it into what I could tolerate. So I think it's just important. And I'm so glad you brought this up that it is something that everyone feels in some way and just ride it, but don't ignore it and just be really tender and know that time does help for sure. You're still early on and, um, it's processing the loss because it's just, it's something you, 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 I don't think we can ever wrap our head around the loss of someone we, we love so much because it's like, they're no longer there. And that's just, it's almost intolerable. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have that experience. Thankfully I haven't lost a parent. Um, but I think there are people who've had other types of losses who can relate as well. Um, you know, certainly a loss of innocence, you can carry that very far, sexual abuse, sexual trauma. Uh, you, we have loss of physical body where people have been in an accident. They've, I've worked with spinal cord injured patients. There's a grief when we lose people who are in pain. They lose the ability to move the way they once did. Um, that is also heavily carried by the body. Uh, and 
I love how you pointed out when you were in the deepest of your grief, um, you were tender and kind to yourself because we talk about this a lot, how, um, you know, really being able to move well requires thought. And when you're distracted, it can be hard to move well. And I think that's why Nairi was feeling like a Bambi Mm-hmm. because she was distracted. And we we always talk about the importance of moving with intention. And so when you're in the process of a loss of whatever it might be, it might not be a person. It can be, there's a whole range of grief that we- A divorce, all kinds of things. A loss of like, you know, as parents, when our children leave, you know, we, we've talked about this, you know, between us, but, you know, when both of our daughters went to school, college, we had prepared so much, but you can't prepare. And then it's, it is such a massive hole and you, yeah, you just have to metabolize it little by little and work through it, but just really honor that, that loss and give yourself the space and tenderness. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually, like you said, time does, but you're going to, it's never going to leave. I think it's always there. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and it is, and it can be a burden that, that you carry, but the burden lightens with, mm-hmm. with time and, and it comes back and then it goes away and it comes back and it goes away. And, um, and we find other, other ways to move better and, and bring joy to our heart. Uh, yeah. can, uh, and, and a good, a good movement practice as Nairi knows, she says mm-hmm. she's having great, you know, she's had a great teaching. Um, but, but, um, you know, I think self-compassion and, and kindness is, is, key. It is key. It is absolutely key. And, you know, again, movement for the most part has been, it's healed me. It's healed so much of that grief. And, um, but it can be in different forms. It could be walking in the woods. You know, for me, being on the mat reminds me of my dad because he loved to watch me practice. So there is a connection there that fuels me. But maybe for you, if there's something that your mom loved doing, like being out in the garden or kind of connecting with her through your body, through your heart and love, um, that can be really healing as well. So know that we are sending you such love and, you know, keep feeling it, keep grieving and really let the movement and let this community be any kind of solve for the, for your heart pain. Well, yeah. As always, everybody, we love you. We love this community. Um, as you can see, we'll, we'll talk about anything. So please write us and send us your questions. You know, we don't necessarily have the answers. We're just giving you opinions and um, life experiences more than anything. So we hope you um, are appreciating us sharing that. So you can always find us on Instagram. I'm Lara.Hyman and KB is KB Williams 99 Thank you. Thank you. I love you. And we love all of you. As always, we're pulling for you. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 